And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Happy Friday morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. It's a new NBA. It's a new world. It's a new Waz. It's a new Weiss. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Big Waz. As always, what's going on, man? I'm good, brother. Always happy to be here with you, bro. And, you know, it's a jam-packed trade deadline. A lot of people feel like, oh, this wasn't as many fireworks as they wanted. But I think some pretty interesting things happened today. Yeah, I'm excited for it. We're not even going to talk about the games because who cares about the games on trade deadline night? By the way, we got Brian Smith on the ones and twos. (laughs) Happy birthday to Papa Smith. I don't know what Brian Smith's dad's first name is, but happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to Deshaun Reed as well from The Athletic. Happy birthday to the Los Angeles Lakers, who should be upset right now because they could have had Kyle Lowry. The other team that was in the running was Miami, and they didn't get him, but they made a lot of stuff happen. They got Nemanja Bielisa. It looks like as of our recording on Thursday night that they're going to get LaMarcus Aldridge off the buyout market. So they got two stretch bigs that can knock it down after losing Kelly Olenek. But that's not the story of the day for them. It's that after the Victor Oladipo camp spent like two years saying, we're going to go to Miami, we're going to end up in Miami. And everyone was like, Miami doesn't watch you. you got, you're not doing enough. You're not healthy. Where did Victor Oladipo end up? South Beach, baby. <laughs> Speak your dreams South into Beach, existence, it's, kids. Yeah, he, he manifests. You see that all the time nowadays, right, Jared? People manifesting their wishes and their wants, you know, <laughs> just speaking it into existence and, and, and believing that just saying it, just putting it in the universe will allow for it to happen. I think this is great for Oladipo. It's great for Miami. I don't know how much it materially affects their ability to get to the NBA Finals this year in the sense that he just hasn't been good. Right? Like, he hasn't been good this year. That's that's not a knock. That's not a diss. It's just the reality of how he's played. Now, I think, ideally, Oladipo gets, gets it out of his head that he's not going to be the guy that got to the All-Star game and made 13 All-NBA in Indiana. Right? And lost to LeBron in the first round of the playoffs. He needs to think of himself as a supercharged role player. As, you know, somebody who absolutely... Murders people defensively. Um, he used to be that type of guy. You know, sometimes when you defensive guys, whenever they get to a point where they're getting 20 points a game, they change their identity, right? If he could go back to being that kind of defensive-minded, disruptive player, right? Could you can imagine a scenario where Bam, Jimmy, and Oladipo are just they're locked in on defense and turning people into mincemeat. You can imagine that scenario. If that's what he puts his mind to and he attacks when possible, right? Like basically, and you know, not to be disrespectful, but basically a way overqualified version of Avery Bradley's whole career. Um, <laughs> I think that's a really valuable player. I really do. I think that's a very valuable player. But who knows what type of mindset he has, right? Like this is a guy who turned down a two-year, $45 million contract because he believes he's still a close-to-max level guy. 
you know. So we'll see what he goes in there and does. The Heat tend to make players bend to their will and not the other way around. So I'm sure if Spolstra and Pat and them have a have an idea about what they want him to do, that he's probably going to end up doing it. And I mean, at the end of the day, the guy wanted to be in Miami, and now Miami has his bird rights. So he could stay in Miami. He might have to take a little bit of a discount if he wants to stay there, but he's going to get what he wants. And I think play next to Jimmy Butler, that's probably going to help him rein in some of what, because a big part of what he was trying to establish was just like establish his market value, hoping that Miami could be involved. It's like now that he's already where he wants to be, I think there's a little bit less, uh, less of that. But so, I mean, for him, he doesn't have to be the main offensive guy on a team losing 20 in a row. And I think that's going to bring him back into the fold, make him be more efficient, make him just be more locked in and engaged. And we saw, like, look at what the Bucks paid to bring in P.J. Tucker, who's having the worst shooting career, uh, season of his career, and they still bet big on him. They still gave up, like, a first uh, for him. So I think there's a lot of people looking at, you know, some of these guys stuck in really bad losing situations, like Aaron Gordon, who's been underperforming in Orlando. I mean, just everybody in Orlando except for Vucevic, right? Uh, and they think that, like, this guy's going to, really lock in and snap out of it when he's in a winning situation. And so I'm thrilled to see what Miami does. Cause like Miami, the season started bad, but they snap back into it. They're there. They just need a refresh off of last year's team. Yeah. And I think if you're the heat and you're like, look at what I did to James Johnson, look at what I did to <laughs> Dion waiters. The list goes on. Look at what I did to all of these projects that I took on and turned them into something. And by all accounts, first of all, Victor Oladipo is of the highest quality of person, professional, when it comes to that type of temperament, right? And I think he's going to take to the environment that Miami sort of engenders no matter what, no matter who comes into their building. So, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd bet that this probably works out in the heat favor, but it's going to take time and it's going to take work on Oladipo's part to, you know, get ingratiated, like, what they were doing in, in, in Houston is just so opposite of the program in Miami right now. And, and I just, you know, I'm interested to see how you adjust. We are joined by Orlando Magic beat writer for The Athletic, Josh Robbins, whose team does not really resemble what it did at the beginning of the day. Uh, between all the different moves that happened, which was the one that surprised you the most? I entered the day expecting Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournay to be traded. I did not expect Nikola Vucevic to be traded. I thought the way he plays is so important, is so beneficial for the young guys on that team that the team would not move him. Well, Orlando did move him. So that that is what surprised me for sure. Orlando has been kind of stuck on this kind of treadmill of mediocrity in the middle of the Eastern Conference for a while now. And unfortunately, just all the positive things that they have going aren't really overlapping very cleanly. And so this seems like a pretty clear reset and rebuild. And they've got back RJ Hampton, a few draft picks, Wendell Carter. How do you see this core now and what are they building off of now? I think they're putting a lot of their hope in uh, several places. Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, who are recovering from serious knee injuries, and their ability to draft, both using their own picks, which after this season should be a good one, their own pick, and uh, the incoming lightly protected first-round picks from Chicago and from Denver. That ultimately will decide 
how successful this new rebuild will be, how well they draft. No other way to get around it, really. Sure. I mean, they're already pretty high in the draft as they're currently situated in the standings. Is this move kind of partly motivated by the idea that they can really solidify themselves at the top of the draft uh, using a military vehicle device that we often refer to? (laughs) That may be, that I think is a side effect of these moves. That is not the reason for these moves, but it may be a consequence of it. This team entered the year expecting to be competing for the 7th, 8th, ninth spot in the East. And there were legitimate reasons to think that was possible. But the season just went haywire when Markel Fultz tore the ACL in his knee on January 6th. And every other player on the roster, except for Nick Vucevic, has been injured at some time for a sequence of games. So that has been what really derailed their season. They're struggling and having the fourth worst record in the league. That caught them very much by surprise. They didn't expect this many injuries. It's truly been a bizarre avalanche of injuries. So for the rest of the season, when we're tuning into Magic Games, who are we looking? Who, who's the person we really want to see develop and grow? And then what do you think that core is going to be next year around? Presumably Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz returning the form, and then hopefully a top five draft pick. I'll be fascinated to see how RJ Hampton plays. He'll have his chance with the Magic, and I, I think relatively soon. Certainly Cole Anthony, the rookie the Magic selected last November, once he returns from a cracked rib, he will be front and center. Rookie Chumo Kiki, a forward who I think the Magic already know what his skills are. I think that that's quite clear. Mo Bamba, the third-year center who has had uh, his first two years totally disrupted by injuries or ailments. And then Wendell Carter. But again, I think Wendell Carter is clearly more of a known quantity. But I look forward to seeing Hampton and Cole Anthony for sure. Well, there's a lot of exciting young talent on Orlando as long as they can stay healthy, which is the big question with all these guys. But at least we know no matter what, Josh Robbins is going to be here letting us know what's happening in Orlando. Thanks, as always, for joining us, Josh. My pleasure, Jared. Now we are talking to the Athletics Chicago Bulls writer Darnell Mayberry and the Bulls have pulled off a big deal, maybe the biggest deal at the deadline. They send Wendell Carter in a package over to Orlando for Nikola Vucevic. You got two all-stars on the Chicago Bulls now. Are the Chicago Bulls for real now? Uh, Yeah, they're a for real six seed. I think that's <laughs> as for real as it gets for the Bulls. And it's a great move for them. You add another all-star to Zach Levine. You try to take advantage of the season that he's having now the career year that Thad Young is having. Uh, you know, you see what you have in Larry Marketing for the rest of the year. You know you've got a bright, promising young pup in Patrick Williams, the fourth overall pick this year. So it's a good move. They didn't have to give up a ton for him. The picks make you cringe a little bit, but uh, would you rather have a late lottery pick or Nikola Vucevic? I think that one's easy. Everything that I was hearing running up to the deadline was it's going to take a Drew Holiday-like package. I mean, that was... Every single source around the league was saying that about Vucevic. And then it doesn't really seem like it was that hefty of a price considering Wendell Carter. I mean, sure, he was a top five pick recently, but things haven't been going well at all for him in Chicago. 
Yeah, they didn't have to give up much. Otto Porter hadn't barely played with the Bulls since that 2019 trade from Washington. Wendell Carter, like you said, he just didn't pan out like the previous regime thought he would as a defensive anchor type in the middle. But he can still have a promising young future. He kind of got in his head a little bit this year in his third season, uh, maybe trying to prove a little too much. But uh, maybe Orlando will be a nice fresh start for him. But yeah, they didn't have to give up a lot at all. Those two first round picks, again, you, you wondered what, which direction the Bulls were going to go with this new front office regime. And now we have our answer. And that's they're not going slow and steady or through the draft or else they would have held on to those picks. They want to win now. And, and this is an all in type of move to try to expedite this process. So what does the Bulls rotation look like now? Thomas Sadoransky, a starting point guard, Zach Levine at the two. I think they're going to probably leave Patrick Williams at the three for now with Markinen at the four and Vucevic at five. And then you got Thad Young, Daniel Tice coming off the bench, Kobe White coming off the bench still, and then some wings, Garrett Temple, Al Farouk Aminu, who they just acquired in that Vucevic deal, and Denzel Valentine will be their primary bench options. It's amazing. This is like one of the deepest rotations in the Easter Conference now. <laughs> and Daniel Tice was a fascinating acquisition. So I cover the Celtics. So I've been covering Tice up close for a while now. He's been really overachieving for someone who you know probably is a backup center. He's a really good, versatile defender. He can pick and pop pretty well. He's a good passer at the five. He seems like he's kind of the ideal backup to Vucevic, where no matter who's in the game between the two of them, they can kind of do a lot of the same stuff because they're good shooting bigs. Why do you think the Bulls wanted to bring in Tice? Do you see Tice potentially having a long-term future since he hits free agency, or is this probably just a stopgap for the year? Yeah, I'm curious about the long-term fit for uh, both of those guys, Vucevic and Tice, because uh, Vucevic is 30 and Tice will be 29 on Easter Sunday. And they don't obviously fit a long-term development plan, but they can both add value now. And I, I expect them to do that. Tice is a guy, the, the prototype that you mentioned is exactly what the Bulls need. And that's what they didn't have. It's funny, they traded three of their four centers today on deadline day and Wendell Carter Jr., Daniel Gafford, and Luke Cornett. The only ones left is Cristiano Felicio, and he's on an expiring deal. So they just completely remade their, their front court and specifically the center position today at the deadline. So I think he's going to contribute to the team well. He's going to be able to add some of those things that you talked about, a toughness component that they missed, and an intelligent player. Uh, you know, the Bulls had certain strengths and weaknesses up and down the roster, but it, they just didn't seem to have a lot of two-way type players who who were also high IQ players. So I think that's what they're getting in Vucevic and Tice. It's funny. I forgot Felicio is still around, although I feel like I say that every time he comes up, right? I mean, that contract will live forever. But so I guess my last question is, what is the end goal here for Chicago? Is this it? Is this the core? And they just want to keep building up White and Williams and hope that they can kind of find another perimeter score that could really complement this, I guess, big two that they have at this point and push themselves to the next level? Yeah, it's interesting because they do have Patrick Williams and Kobe White still in the mix, and they drafted Patrick Williams, so they're, they're invested in him. They'd like to see Kobe White really develop and grow into more of a point guard if he can, if not be what you can be off the bench as a scorer. Those are two promising young players that they still have to go along with now Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. It's going to be interesting to see how they continue to develop. They still have their 2022 
first round pick. You know, they didn't trade that one off. So, and if Patrick Williams blossoms into the all-star type of a player that they believe he can become, then you've got a nice little trio and you're adding to the mix. And maybe you become an attractive destination location for some of the free agents or other disgruntled stars throughout the league. So one thing that we saw today is that Arturis Karnaschovas and his staff are not afraid to be bold and to make uh, blockbuster deals and pull the trigger. So uh, maybe it's a, it's a new era in Chicago in earnest now that he's made his first big deal. There we go. Hey, maybe they draft Bronny James. They get LeBron to come over, attract that <laughs> star power. It's Chicago. It's one of the best cities in America. It's the third biggest city in America. This They got the purple pig there. I mean, come on, guys. Like This should be a major star-driven city. Either way, we got a star there. His name is Darnell Mayberry. Make sure you read everything that he writes over on The Athletic. Thank you for joining us, Darnell. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. the Los Angeles Lakers should be upset right now because they could have had Kyle Lowry. They could have given up Dennis Schroeder, KCP, but the sticking point was that they wouldn't throw in THT. And so you and I, I think, see differently on this trade. Tell me what you're about to tell me before. I I think the KCP of it all is would have been a much stronger sticking point had I been the Lakers than... THT. I get that Laker fans think that he's the second coming of James Worthy, but he's not. And, uh, you know, Kenny in the playoffs last year was probably most consistently their third best player. I know everybody talks about what Rondo did in the playoffs, and I think what ended up happening was it was like four standout games that just warped everybody's brain because they were so shocked that they happened. But on a consistent basis, when it came to knocking down open jumpers and being that consistent perimeter defensive player, KCP was the third best player on the team during that playoff run. And although Kyle Lowry is 
much better player individually than KCP, than Dennis Schroeder. And THT, I'm not even going to dignify that with even comparing him to Kyle Lowry. I just don't think that haul of just bringing Lowry in shores up your perimeter situation the way you needed to. Because let's face it, in your best lineups, it's going to be LeBron, AD, and five guys who are perimeter players. Right. And so you take um, Kenny out of that situation. It's like, all right, I know I got Kuz still and I'm and Kuz is probably going to do that. And he's shown that he's the scrappy type of guy that dare I say the three and D type of guy. But, I, you know, Caruso and Lowry and it like you're shooting that is not premium to begin with. You start replacing one of the only reliable perimeter guys that you have with guys that, yes, Caruso has shown that he can make an open shot when absolutely called upon, like when he's the most wide open possible. I think Kuzma is decently reliable at perimeter shooting. But even, you know, the Morris bro, you can't really say that you count on that guy to make shots. And I think Kenny is somebody who you know has the gravity and defenses have to go out there and guard him. I just think that would have been a lot because, again... Your best lineups in the playoffs are going to be AD at the five, LeBron, and shooting. So, you know, I I don't know. Let me know what you think. I mean, I love that you're just calling KCP Kenny. Like, I've never heard that one before. (laughs) (laughs) But you really are from LA, huh? Uh, So here's the thing. So Kyle Lowry in the playoffs, he's an all-NBA player. Kyle Lowry, he's like Jimmy Butler. He hits that next level. He's playing at elite level. He's not quite on LeBron in the 80s level, but they have a big three, a legit big three, historic big three with the level that Larry plays at. Now, that package is a fair consolidation of talent for Kyle Lowry in a vacuum, but this team's depth is not that good, and it gets really, really thin when you make that move. And as much as I love Alex Caruso, I think Alex Caruso is kind of redundant in a little bit to Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is kind of like a much better version of Caruso. So you don't have as much diversity in in role type of players when you make that move, which is why like I would rather almost rather give up Caruso than THT just because I think THT is a little bit more ball on ball creation ability. So I probably would have pulled the trigger on it. But the one thing is it kind of comes down to like, is Lowry a one season rental where you don't give that all up for a one season rental or is you are you able to resign him? And then of course he's old. Like he's not a he's not a young cat whatsoever. He's he's post prime at this point. So counting on him to stay healthy and retain him that's a big question mark too. You know, and again, he was the best player on a team that drove the Boston Celtics to the brink last year in the second round of the playoffs. And you know, I, I'm always of the LeBron James thinking of like this dude will raise the level of anybody who plays next to him. And so in a LeBron James and AD context, that would be fascinating to watch Kyle Lowry do his crazy man routine of being like just a sicko on defense. And, you know, let's face it, LeBron doesn't have to initiate offense every single time up the floor now because he has a Kyle Lowry on his team. And, you know, I I'm, I love Kyle Lowry's game. I just I just think defensively, man, he doesn't replace what Kenny brings. Um, he's just much smaller than um Caldwell Pope is not well. 
He's much shorter. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not. He's, he's not a lot less heftier. I don't. Well, hold on. I don't know. I mean, maybe this year's a little different. You slow down a little bit. Last year, Lowry was playing elite defense. He was guarding Jason Tatum and was locking down Jason Tatum in the playoffs. I mean, this guy he can guard anything that moves because he's just gonna throw his ass into it and it's gonna work. You were saying about how we can give LeBron a bit of a break. Lowry is is a great attacker and a really good shooter. He's not amazing at beating people off the dribble consistently. So being able to have him play next to LeBron and AD, where it, like you can't really load up to him, it would have opened up so much. That team would have been so much fun to watch, and it sucks that they didn't take that. The, the collective basketball IQ between LeBron James and Kyle <laughs> oh, Lowry. Is, that's insane. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know what? You talked me into that trade, dude. All right, let's go back in time. Let's get that trade done. (laughs) Now we are talking with the Athletics Toronto Raptors writer, Eric Corrine, who has a very nicely tight beard, but then the hair is all over the place. I feel like it's very ironic for 2021 right now. In fact, on the conference call with Masai Ujiri, it was an eventful call. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. He said, that's a nice afro you got going on. Uh, And I mean, that's... Kind a kind description of him, but sure. But then my up at the at that point, my upstairs neighbor's fire alarm went off, and and that set off the alarm in my uh, entire house. Like I sort of live in a house that's split with three or four apartments, which was not ideal. Not ideal uh, when you're getting a question with the Raptors president, and like I believe his second or third availability he's done all year. So uh, good times, not a stressful trade deadline at all. So I think what you're saying is that we're very lucky to have you here, which we we certainly agree with. <laughs> yeah, and... no, I'm I'm a big deal. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this, this time is uh, is very sacred. Well, listen, someone that I don't think we expected to still be in Toronto, besides Eric Corrine and Blake Murphy, was Kyle Lowry. It seemed like it made sense for many, many reasons for the Raptors to trade Kyle Lowry, and they came close with a couple different teams. What did you think of how everything went down on Thursday? Well, I think I I said it was sort of a 60-40 likelihood that he would go beforehand on Wednesday. So I'm not maybe as shocked as everybody else, although I do see from appearances and just that, you know, the Raptors are where they are, why it's confusing to a lot of people. And I, I, you know, I'm not completely on board with it. I'm a bit conflicted, as I think the Raptors are a bit themselves. But I think what happened was the result of just a limited number of potential partners. You're not going to trade for Kyle Lowry unless you're a championship contender. Like, you're not trading for a very, very good point guard, but a 35-year-old point guard, unless you're a championship contender. And then beyond that, you have to get the salaries up to $30 million, and the Raptors probably don't want to take back anything that goes beyond this year for those. And then you have to throw in an asset or two for the best player in franchise history. And when you start to consider all of those things, a trade becomes you know, less simple, even if I think we'd probably agree that he was the best, if if you don't want to say that, one of the best players that was potentially available. It seems like it came down to three teams, and they either said, we don't like our chances enough this year to go all in without assurances of keeping Kyle Lowry, 
or we think maybe we can get Lowry next year and our window isn't as tight as uh, we thought it was, or as some other people might have uh, thought it was. So it was a bit of a precarious position, and I don't think this trade, or lack thereof, was about optics, but I could imagine some packages that Literally, why are you doing that as opposed to just maybe having a sided trade in the offseason? Like, so I'm just not sure what's out there was significantly better than that possibility. It felt like to me the Raptors and Masai Ujiri specifically made the, the calculation of, look, if we believe in the quality of player that Kyle Lowry is and we re-sign him to a fair market deal this summer we could do this again <laughs> like he's going to be a quality player next year too good teams are going to want him again so long as we sign him to what is a fair deal and we could be right back to this because we think Kyle Lowry is of a certain quality of player he's not some toxic contract he's not some dude that we need to just fire sale on like this is a freaking really good NBA player so we don't have to just let teams have him just because they want him my wonderful editor just moved over to the NBA side, and uh, Jared and I actually My wonderful share, editor share, share editors now. And, you know, she's a Torontonian. She cares about the Raptors, and she was relieved when Kyle Lowry was staying and, and sort of thought maybe this meant that he's definitely staying into the, fu- into the you know, intermediate future. And when I explained that that wasn't happened, she was like, so we might be doing this again in the offseason? <laughs> I'm like, not even that. We might be doing this again in the offseason. We might be doing it again next Going trade into deadline. The season. Like, who knows how many times we could be doing this. You know, I don't think it's as simple as you pointed out, was, but I think it's part of it. Like, you know, there aren't, you know, the same problem that led to creating like this super competitive market for him at the trade deadline could limit the number of teams that go shopping for him in the offseason. How many teams are going to, that are, you know, the type of contender that Kyle Lowry wants to play with or play for and have legitimate room to offer him uh, a contract? And Kyle Lowry, bless his heart, doesn't take, you know, deals he doesn't give teams a break <laughs> to play basketball man wants to be paid uh, and, you know uh, that's not a criticism uh, you know as is every player's right but i think you're looking at miami you're looking at maybe dallas if the knicks get super crazy you're looking at the knicks i don't think it's going so in the that direction then. yeah i i never want to rule out the knicks uh, going either way but after that you know, you're looking at either he needs help with a side and trade to get somewhere or the Raptors are the best team to give him $25 million. And, you know, he gets to play some games in Toronto in front of actual fans, which would be nice for the best player in, in franchise history. And maybe you do it all again at the uh, at the trade deadline. So, you know, Messiah Jerry spoke about keeping the options open. And I think... As complicated as a deal was and as many factors were at play, he's not lying. This doesn't necessarily indicate he's staying for the long term or that he's just going to walk. Like, it's complicated as, you know, any player in his status making his money uh, would be. So last question is, what the hell are the Raptors doing? 
<laughs> I get it. Kyle Lowry is one of the most beloved players of any fan base in the entire NBA. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's gonna is he gonna be thirty six for next season? Right, he's thirty five now. So he turned thirty five today. Oh, well, that's right. I forgot. Okay. Either way, that's pretty old for a point guard. So like, and he's clearly worth signing. But if you're the Raptors and you're in this weird kind of transition between the team that just won and the team that's going to win with some young your young guys, what what do you do? Is you just traded Norm Powell for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood? I guess I could see Trent being another part of that core, but clearly the core needs some sort of major star to kind of put this all around it between Fred and Pascal and OG. So why would you retain Lowry? And then what would kind of be the next move from there? So I think, and this is what I just finished writing about a few minutes before I hopped on. Read it, people. You guys, there's some cognitive dissonance, right? Like you can call this a half measure. Like they sold on Norman Powell, but they held on Kyle Lowry. And based on the age of their core, you would think that the opposite would be more likely. But first of all, uh, I think there were just two completely different markets for two completely different players in different times of their career. And second, they, again, what we just talked about, were limited by what was out there for Lowry. So what are they going to do? I think they're going to do what they did the last time, or they're going to try to do what they did the last time they built a championship-level team. They're going to stay good for as long as possible, and the second they see an avenue to turn, you know, as the old saying goes, three quarters into Canadian reference, a loony, then maybe you do that. A loony's worth a dollar, by the way, for, for our America. It's like a, it's our $1 coin. But this is a, or an organization that right now isn't interested in a long-term rebuild. Saying that, they might get a damn good draft pick this year if the season goes the wrong way, which, you know, at almost every turn <laughs> it has so far. So who's to say that's going to stop now? So that's maybe another, if not star piece, you can't count on rookies, a very interesting piece in what's considered a pretty good draft, especially at the top. And you just keep on being good, keep on building the value of the players in your core and just outside of your core and wait to strike. And is that the simplest path? No. But is there any path for any team that's not the Lakers that is simple? I don't think so. <laughs> that's, that is a wonderful point, Eric. <laughs> not everybody can mismanage their roster for years and end up with LeBron James and AD being like, no, I want to be there. That's where I want to be. Yeah, I was, I was going through this exercise the other day, and I think, like, <laughs> I we talk, I mean, the phrase Lakers exceptionalism is out there, but, like, even Brooklyn, uh, they had to, like, be yeah, competent for a few yeah. years mm -hmm. and, and do some smart things. Golden State had to draft their star and then get, like, <laughs> right. a once-in-a-lifetime bout of CBA luck. Like, there is no obvious path. Uh, so the Raptors have tried this sort of thing before, and to be clear, they tried it with Kyle Lowry at his peak, who is who was a better piece, I believe, than any piece in the core going forward. That being Van Vliet, Siakam, and Ananobi. Not saying either of the or any of those guys can't get there, but Kyle Lowry was like a borderline superstar 
in, you know, plucky, you know, third or fourth players clothing. Like he was impacting games more than a lot of people understood for a long time. And the Raptors quite don't, don't quite have that at this point in their next core, but there's time and there's patience with this group. I'm just happy. At least I know that Eric Corrine gets to cover Kyle Lowry for at least a few more months. And I mean, hey, we're we're all independent, objective journalists here, but it doesn't mean we don't love getting to cover some of these guys. And I can't think of anyone more fun to cover than Kyle Lowry. He's been like, I, I called him in one of my stories persnickety today. And I think that's true. And he can be, you know, just difficult. He has been just awesome to deal with this year, and maybe that's because his true home is being on a golf course every second day, and Tampa is great for him. Uh, <laughs> or maybe he just doesn't like seeing us in person every day, or he does like not seeing us in person every day, but like he's been thoughtful and reflective and, like, as far as I can tell, honest, uh, you know, still has that sort of biting humor, but not quite as dismissive as in past. Like, he's been great. I've always found him intriguing as a personality and character, and I'm not going to complain about getting to cover him some more. Definitely not. I'm not going to complain about getting to have Eric Corrine on the show. Thank you, as always, for talking with us. And that is going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about all the other Athletic NBA podcasts we have, like the Athletic NBA show, House of Strauss, No Dunks, and all of the team-specific shows like Raptors Reasonableist, hosted by Eric Corrine. That's how this guy knows how to talk into a microphone. Don't forget to sign up for The Athletic so you can read all of Eric's work, all of my work, all of Waz's work at theathletic.com slash ding. And don't forget to say the thing that we say at the end of every single show. Both of you guys who say at the same time for me. Ding, ding. I don't even listen to my podcast. Do you want me to listen to your podcast? <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.